Um, good morning, everyone. I'm sorry for the slight delay. Uh, welcome to our morning service. Uh, my name's Ursula, and I'm leading the service this morning. We have John Langridge preaching, John Farrow leading our song worship, and John Hitchens um, reading our Bible passage to us. So I do feel that maybe I should be called John this morning. Um, a very warm welcome to everybody who's listening to this service or watching this service online. Uh, just some notices. We have um, some chat groups after the service, and you should have received an email with a link to join in with those. Our all-age celebration is online on our Facebook page at 10.30. And a reminder that the church is open for private prayer on Wednesdays from noon, from noon for an hour. Um, before we go any further, I have a video to show you that Rachel has made. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're already in November, and that means that Advent is fast approaching. And what happens at the end of Advent? We celebrate Christmas. And even though this year has been a little bit different, we are still going to celebrate Christmas, because we as Christians still have that great joy that comes from knowing that our God sent his son to earth as a baby. And we want to share that joy and that cause for celebration with others. And to do that, we're going to have a few services this year that are probably going to look a little bit different to the way they've done in previous years. We're still hoping to go into school to run Chris Dingle, but we're also going to have a service outside with activities where we build our Chris Dingles on tables and we decorate a Christmas tree. We're going to have an outdoor carol service that's aimed at the whole family. And on Christmas Eve, we want to see children come dressed up as angels and stars as we celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. And you might be thinking, that's great, Rachel, but why are you here? Well, we want your help, please. We would love for you to be praying for these events because we all know that there is no point in us doing these things if we're not doing it for God and for his people. So let's pray that we have the Holy Spirit and we have God's light in all of these events. Also, to run Chris Dingles, we're going to need a few oranges. And I reckon they're about 25p each. So if you can, donate a pound to help us buy four oranges for a family. Or, if you'd rather, add a bag of oranges onto your shopping and drop them outside my front door. If you don't know my address, email curate at bastonhillchurch.org. And I would like to do the same as we did last year and give chocolates and cards to the businesses in the village. This year, more than ever, they need to know that they are cared for and they are being prayed for. So if you would like to donate a tin of chocolates or and a card also leave them 
outside my front door. And finally, all of these things are going to cost us a little bit of money. To host things outdoors, we're going to need some special equipment to make sure that that all runs smoothly and goes as well as possible to reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus. So if you think you would be able to donate some money to us, please send some money through a bank transfer and mark it Christmas. Thank you so much for listening and let's make sure we keep celebrating the true meaning of Christmas this year. Thank you, Rachel. And we continue our service with an opening prayer. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. And John is going to lead us in our first song, The King of Love, My Shepherd Is.
we say together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. And we pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed. Through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We come now to the part of our service where we have our Bible reading followed by the sermon, and I would just like to pray now for those. So, Lord, we ask that we may have ears to hear and hearts that are open as we listen to the reading of your word and to the words that John has prepared as he speaks to us. May we end this service, Lord, knowing that little more about you and having given our hearts that little bit more over to you and your service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, John. Our reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. 
Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, it's very strange to be here in an empty church. Although I have to say, uh, it happened to me before usually because people heard I was coming to preach and found other things to do, but there we are. I'd like to think there's a different reason today. The parable of the prodigal son. And I know we've all heard it hundreds of times, and I suspect there may be some who, who've said, uh, oh, I know this one, uh, been there, done that, and you've gone off to make coffee or toast and do the dishes, but... Um, I'd encourage you to stick with it because I believe that there is always something to be gained from God's word, a fresh insight or a much needed reminder of an important truth. Of course, the title of the parable is wrong. It should more accurately be called the parable of the two sons. See, the, the 
uh, story begins with the words, there was a man who had two sons. There'd be no need to say that unless both sons were important to the story. If it had just been about the younger son leaving home and then coming to his senses and returning, the story would have finished with the father throwing him a party. But the story continues on with the response of the oldest son. So both sons are integral parts of the story. We begin to see why the response of the oldest son is included when we look at the context of the story. When you're reading a parable and trying to understand what it's about, always look at the context in which the story was told. More often than not, the story was told in answer to a question or a comment. And in this case, we read at the beginning of the chapter, Luke 15. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. And they growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. That's from the message uh, translation. So this story is a response to the grumpy Pharisees who objected to Jesus mixing with the down and outs of the day. Whilst the first two little stories Jesus told at this time, the lost sheep and the lost coin, were focused on celebrating when you find and rescue something that's lost, this third story goes a little further to more directly challenge the attitude of the Pharisees, as we shall see. Another thing that's useful to look at in a parable is the contrast. And usually in these story parables, there is a contrast. Here's the wise uh, bridesmaid, here's the foolish bridesmaid, here's the priest who passed by, here's the Samaritan who stopped, here's the king who forgave a large debt, here's the servant who didn't give any. Look at this, look at this, what's the difference? And here we have the difference between the younger and the older son. We know all about the younger son, turning his back on his father, squandering his inheritance, coming to his senses, returning home to confess his waywardness, and the incredible response from the father. No anger, no recriminations, just pure joy that my son who was lost is found, was dead, and is alive. And that's a wonderful illustration of God's persistent love and grace. All very familiar, but we don't look quite so often at the older son and his response. And when we do, the force of the image that Jesus presents is to some extent lost on us because we don't understand the cultural background very well. The older son returns home from the fields, hears of his brother's return and all the celebrations, and he's angry that this wastrel has been treated so well. And he refuses point blank to join the party. And when his father comes out to encourage him to join the celebrations, the older son lets him have it both barrels. He doesn't address his father with the proper respectful title. He deliberately disowns his brother by saying, this son of yours 
And then he makes all sorts of accusations about his own treatment. He's very aggressive in his tone, and he disrespects his father by his public outburst. Now, we don't understand in these days how serious that was. In, uh, in our day, well, father and son are just having a bit of a barney. But there was a saying in those days, a rabbinic saying, it's, it is better for a man that he should cast himself into a fiery furnace rather than he should put his fellow to shame in public. This was not just some fellow who the older son was shaming. This was his own father. And in their culture at that time, publicly dishonoring him in this way was a terrible crime. Some see the older son's behavior as worse than his younger brother, who you know, left home and wasted his inheritance on warm beer and fast camels. This tirade would have sent shockwaves through those who heard Jesus tell this story. It was disgraceful. Now, the Pharisees would have understood, listening to this story, and they would have understood that the older son and his disgraceful behavior actually represent them. See, they were grumpy about others who were wasters and undesirable being invited by Jesus into their cozy party. See, the Pharisees, they were gold medalists every year in rule-keeping. They felt that keeping the rules would ensure they pleased God. When uh, you remember Jesus was uh, speaking to someone and, and they, they talked about uh, one of the commandments, love thy neighbor, and the first question that came back to me, and who is my neighbor? Can you define it for me? Is it the person next door, or do I have to go two doors away, or is it everybody in my street? Tell me, set the boundaries for me so that I can keep the rules. Define the rules, and we'll keep them. And they had hundreds of rules, and, and all sorts of little um, uh, quirks in these rules that actually were trying to find a way around the rules. It's like cups and all sorts of things, how far you could go. This is one of my favorites. One of the forbidden works on the Sabbath was the tying of knots, sailors or camel drivers' knots and knots in ropes. But a woman might tie the knot in her girdle. Therefore, if a bucket of water had to be raised from a well, a rope could not be knotted to it, but a woman's girdle could, and it could be raised with that. You can just see uh, every Sabbath, he's saying, excuse me, love, could I have your girdle, please? Yeah, not again, for goodness sake. The whole thing sounds uh, nuts to us, but that was dr what drove their whole understanding of faith. God must be pleased if I keep the rules. How could Jesus mix with these people who clearly didn't keep the rules? And in the story, the older brother, like the Pharisees, was a rule keeper. He tried hard to be the perfect son. He claimed never to have disobeyed his father, to have worked hard for many years. He'd always done the right thing. And well, that may be true. But all was not well with him. 
and resentment and frustration that had perhaps been building up for years now came bursting out in this tirade against his father. See, the elder son had a problem. He was a son with all the status, rights, and privileges which that position entailed. But he had the mindset of a slave. It slips out in the words that he uses. All these years I've been slaving for you. There was no joy or satisfaction for him in working with his father to manage the estate. Just day-to-day drudgery of a slave. How desperately sad to see a son thinking and behaving like a slave. But that, of course, summed up the Pharisees. They were part of God's chosen race, the people of Israel. They'd been blessed by God. They'd been protected by God. They'd been provided for by God. And yet... They believed that this God would only accept them and be pleased with them if they kept the rules. They had to earn his favor or endure his wrath. There was no joy for them in their relationship with God. No understanding of his faithful, committed love, his grace, his mercy. Just every day, the fear that they might have broken a rule. Just slavery to the laws. If you read Matthew 23, you'll see a scathing reproach from Jesus to the Pharisees for their mindset in this. In that passage, there are seven woes that he declares against the Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. And he calls them hypocrites and and blind guides and a brood of vipers. And it's interesting, Barclay describes the word used by Jesus for woe as including not only anger, but also sorrow. He says, Jesus expresses righteous anger towards the Pharisees, but is the anger of a heart of love broken by the stubborn blindness of men. The Pharisees had completely missed the point, thinking that slave-like obedience was what God required when all the time God wanted a relationship of love with his special people. And he was both angry and heartbroken. We feel some sympathy for the Pharisees who simply totally missed the point. And uh, we feel also for the older son. And a few people this week have said to me, you know, sometimes I feel like they are. I can't understand where the older son's coming from desperately trying to do what was right but with the mindset of a slave rather than enjoying the benefits of being a son. But in truth, it's easy for us to slip into the same errors. We are saved only by God's grace. But it is possible to lapse into trying to earn God's favor by works, doing our best to keep the rules, doing our best busy, doing what we think God wants. One of the commentaries I read through spoke 
like this about it. He said, he spoke of the many who are faithful attendees at services, conscientious givers, morally scrupulous, doctrinally orthodox, but have lost the astonishment of being forgiven, lost the wonder of God's grace, lost any sense of amazement at the persistent, unfathomable love of God. Seemingly doing the right things, but there's no joy in it. Worship, praying, reading God's word, attending church meetings, being part of this or that committee, almost an unthinking routine. They act out of duty, the dreaded sense of what they ought to do for God. They almost subconsciously think that doing the right thing will keep them in good stead with God. Prayer meeting, tick. Bible reading, tick. Worship service, tick. Help my neighbor, tick. God must be pleased with me. Obedience, but no joy. Going through the motions, trying to earn brownie points instead of receiving by grace. Sons with a mindset of slaves. All these things which have been mentioned are very worthy in themselves, and I'm certainly not suggesting that you don't worship regularly or give generously or live morally. But if we do all those things through the gritted teeth of dogged obedience or thoughtless routine, like the Pharisees, we've missed the point. Friends, we are not slaves. We are sons. This is how Paul describes sons writing to the Romans, Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves, but we should behave like God's very own children, adopted into the bosom of his family and calling him Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we really are God's children. And since we are his children, we will share his treasures for all God gives to his son Jesus is now ours too. That's Romans 8:14 from the Living Bible. If we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are children of God. And all the wonder that that entails. Being a child in God's family speaks of intimacy and access. Our children have intimate access to us. We're intimately involved with them. We have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. We have access to him as his children. Prince Charles has access to the Queen of an entirely different and more intimate nature than anybody else who's not in the family. As children of God, we are also heirs sharing with Jesus in what Peter describes as an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. As God's children, spiritually speaking, we are billionaires. Of course, this 
special and privileged position is only possible because of God's constant, faithful, extravagant love for us, demonstrated at great cost as Jesus came and died on the cross to deal with all our sin. How amazing it is to be loved like this. How amazing to be brought to be part of God's family. How dare we respond to this with grudging obedience. The Apostle John wrote, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. I, I love that. Lavished is, is such an extravagant word, a, a word of abundance. And in loving us in this extravagant way, what the Father longs for most is that we would respond and love him too. That from our grateful hearts would spring great love for him. When we love someone, we, we want to please them. Oh, we want, we want to do all that they want us to do. When we want to bring them pleasure. This is acting willingly and joyfully in obedience. And that's entirely different to a stoic obedience from a sense of duty. In loving him, we do all we can to live as Father wants us to. To serve Father in any way he calls us to. Not to earn his approval or prevent his wrath, but to bring him pleasure. You remember Eric Liddell, the Christian athlete, Eric Little, whose story was told in the film Chariots of Fire. And he once said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Isn't that wonderful? God made me like this. And when I do what God made me to do, I, I feel his pleasure. It wasn't Father's approval or acceptance that was Eric's goal. He knew that he already had those. But what he really wanted was to bring the Father pleasure. There's so much more that we could say, and I know I'm well out of time. But look, the challenge is clear for all of us, and I include myself in this most definitely. The question is, am I a slave or a son? Am I doing all the right things, but out of routine or stoic obedience? Or do I rejoice in the extravagance of God's love for me and I wake up every morning joyful to be in his presence and wanting to respond to his love, delighting to do his will? It's a searching question. So what about you? Are you living as a slave or a son. Amen.
come now to our intercessions and it's been good to be reminded that as God's sons and God's daughters in this amazing relationship of love that we have with him we can work with him to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is on heaven I'm going to base our prayers this morning on a few verses from 1 Timothy chapter 2, and if you don't mind, I'm going to read them first. I urge then, Paul says to Timothy, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So as we pray first of all for all people, and we will come back to this towards the end of these prayers, let's first of all pray for those who are known to us personally. Let us start by giving thanks to God for them. 
And let us now bring, them before, bring before God all those we know who are in any sort of need, whether it is sickness, financial need, problems with mental health, problems with fear, issues to do with isolation. Let's pray for them. Let's pray that the God of all mercy, the God of all love, will come and meet them and release them from fears and give them the joy of knowing that he is with them. As we move on now to pray for all those in authority, let us again pray, let us pray for our government, at the moment split by many different factions, with criticism, with disagreement, with strife. Let us pray for our government because Jesus asks us to. Let us pray for wisdom for them as they continue to grapple with the right way forward through the COVID-19 crisis and the economic crisis this has brought on. Let us pray too for wisdom as they approach the end of the transition period for Brexit and as negotiations for a trade deal with Europe still hand, hang in the balance. Let us pray for all those negotiators who are trying to find the right way through. Let us pray for them and their opposites in the, in the EU side. Let us pray for them as well. Finally, let us remind ourselves that God is our saviour and he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So let us pray for all those in this church involved in outreach of one sort or another or in building bridges into the community of any sort. Let's pray for Peter, our vicar, for Rachel, our curate, for Ursula, our Associate Minister, as they head up this ministry. Let us pray for Jeanette and her work in the school and her work with families. Let us pray for the all-age service that will be going out shortly on, um, on Facebook, that the Lord would speak to people through that. And as Christmas comes, let us pray for all those involved in planning Christmas services, for all those who come, either virtually or in person, to these services, that their eyes might be opened to see the truth of what Jesus came for and what he did for them on the cross. And 
finally, as we come back full circle to our friends and those we know personally, let's pray for them, for those who don't know Jesus, that their eyes might be opened and that the Lord would use us as he wants. And we pray all these prayers in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God it is right to give thanks and praise. Blessed are you, Lord God, our light and our salvation. To you be glory and praise forever. From the beginning you have created all things, and all your works echo the silent music of your praise. In the fullness of time you made us in your image, the crown of all creation. You gave us breath and speech, that with angels and archangels and all the powers of heaven, we may find a voice to sing your praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. How wonderful the work of your hands, O Lord. As a mother tenderly gathers her children, you embraced a people as your own. When they turned away and rebelled, your love remained steadfast. From them, you raised up Jesus, our Savior, born of Mary, to be the living bread in whom all our hungers are satisfied. He offered his life for sinners, and with a love stronger than death, he opened wide his arms on the cross. On the night before he died, he came to supper with his friends, and taking bread, he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And at the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. 
Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Father, we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross. We remember his dying and rising in glory, and we rejoice that he intercedes for us at your right hand. Pour out your Holy Spirit as we bring before you these gifts of your creation, that they may be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy things in your presence, form us in the likeness of Christ and build us into a living temple to your glory. Remember, Lord, your church in every land. Reveal her unity, guard her faith, and preserve her in peace. Bring us at the last with all the saints to the vision of that eternal splendor for which you have created us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, by whom, with whom, and in whom, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honor and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. So let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Let's remember in prayer those of our fellowship who are in hospital or who are in care homes. Father, we remember those of our fellowship and church community who are in hospital or who are in extended care. Father, we ask that your peace and your presence will be with them this week and that, Lord, you will bring health and healing. Bless those who are caring for them. Lord, may they know that they are loved by you. And we say together the prayer after communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. And John is going to lead us in our final song, Amazing Grace. I shall possess with 
life of joy and peace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we hit first Thank you, John. And I would like to pay special thanks to Aidan and Mark, who've worked tirelessly all through this service to keep everything um, happening, despite some of the gremlins. So thank you, Aidan and Mark. And to close our service, a blessing. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. This concludes our service, but a reminder, if you would like to join one of the chat rooms, please follow the link that was emailed earlier. And on Facebook at 10.30, there'll be a stream of our all-age service. Thank you for joining with us.